Hi, this is Dr. Tony Cooper, and this is Life Without Baggage. In this podcast, I'll help you develop a stronger sense of self, develop firmer boundaries, and also learn how to lean into the gentle promptings of the Holy Spirit who can help you navigate life. I have dozens of bonus videos posted that will help you in these areas and also will help you develop stronger coping skills. In each of the program notes, there's a link where you can request a free digital book that I've written, where you can find my other media, and also where you can find my books on Amazon. Just a reminder before we get into today's episode that this is not a substitute for medication or counseling. If you're having thoughts of harming yourself or another person, or if this material triggers you, please contact your doctor or a mental health specialist to help you with your concerns. Now here's today's episode. Welcome to a special episode of Life Without Baggage. Today I have a guest, Tom Molyneux, who hosts the podcast, Finally Quit Porn. Now you may not have a problem with porn, but I find that many people have problematic behaviors, whether or not you call them addictions, of stress eating, Retail therapy, which means you spend too much, gambling, alcohol, and for many of my female clients, although most of them don't have issues with porn use in their own life, many have issues where they become involved in sexual relationships, that they regret that it gets way past where their values indicate to them that they need to stop. Whereas it seems as though for men, they are more likely to slip into problems with porn. So today we're going to be talking about the dynamics, the roots that are at many addictive or problematic behaviors, and then the process of how we can break those habits. So I think regardless of whatever your tendencies might be, I think this will be a very informative podcast. Now, I do want to alert you that this is the first time that I have had a guest who addresses sexual behavior. So Tom is very open about how his problem with porn developed, about the problems that it caused him, how he became aware of the fact that the porn use was a problem, as well as the steps he's taken to get out of that habit. So I'm just alerting you that there's pretty candid information in here about sexual behavior. So I hope that you can listen without judgment and use the information in terms of understanding addictive behavior. And then at the end, there will be resources, Tom's website. He has a course designed for men who want to quit porn. And also I'm going to have links to other useful material. So I hope that you will find today's podcast highly informative and useful. Here's Tom Molyneux. So my guest today is Tom Molyneux. Did I say your name correctly? Yeah, that was great. Thank you. Okay. He's the host of the podcast, Finally Quit Porn, and he's a certified life coach. And he has also a course designed for men to help them quit porn. So I thought it would be interesting for us to understand more about what he does and how he got into this. And even though we're talking about 
problems with porn today, a lot of this really is applicable if there's any behavior in our life that's out of balance. So welcome, Tom. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. So do you want to tell us about how you decided to become a life coach? Yeah, sure. So I guess I've been quite interested in mental health for a while. So it all started for me around eight or nine years ago when I was struggling myself to quit pornography and I got into self-improvement. I was watching a lot of YouTube videos and I suppose a lot of it wasn't actually very helpful. So I thought I was learning something. I thought I was growing and developing. But in reality, what I was learning was quite a toxic approach, quite an extreme mindset towards quitting pornography. And that had a really negative impact on my mental health. And so around 18 months ago, I decided that I wanted to help people quit porn because this had been a big problem in my personal life. I wanted to share what I'd learned with others and help people take a more curious, compassionate approach to quitting porn. And so I did an online course. I became a certified life coach and I've been helping clients from around the world ever since. And it's been really fulfilling. Outside of this, I also do some volunteering for a UK charity mm-hmm. called Samaritans. Mm-hmm. And that's really interesting because there's quite a lot of parallels between life coaching and my volunteering work. Because in my volunteering work, I take phone calls for around three or four hour shifts. And often people are at a really desperate, bad place with their mental health. They're struggling with all kinds of issues. And sometimes they are even suicidal. And so, I have the the privilege in a way to help people, listen to people, understand where they're at. And I suppose it is just an honor to be able to help people who are struggling so much because I feel like through my own life, I have struggled a lot with my own mental health in various ways or I've had times where I've been down and then many times when I've been up as well. And so I kind of feel like I have a lot to offer people um, and it's it's great to sort of see that transformation in, in people's mindsets and, and the way they live. So I, I really enjoy life coaching. Mm-hmm. Similar to how I enjoy the kinds of things I do. So if you haven't figured it out yet, Tom lives in the UK. You can tell by his uh, charming accent. So um, how did you develop a problem with porn? When I was around 15 or 16 years old, I was seeing a girl, a girl I really, really liked from school. We sat next to each other in French class and we just got on, had a really good laugh. And we were going to see each other and sort of take the next step in in perhaps a, a relationship and something quite sexual. I hope that's okay to say on this podcast. And so we're, we're real on this podcast. Okay, that's good to hear. So yeah, things things didn't quite work out in the bedroom, essentially. And I didn't, I don't think I ended up having successful sex with her. It just didn't really work out. And that was because my brain had become so accustomed to associating sexual pleasure and a screen that then when you have a real woman who you're actually interested in, in real life, you know, my brain hadn't been wired for that physical interaction. And so I couldn't perform sexually. And so that was really crushing. And what I did is I, I went online and I discovered these online communities. It was actually called NoFap. It's not really a community I'm part of. 
I'm not really no. a big fan of that community necessarily. There's some aspects of it which are good, some are bad. But anyway, I discovered this whole online community of millions of men, mostly in the United States, who were struggling to quit porn. And I sort of woke up to this massive problem. I had never, ever, for the last four years that I'd been looking at sexual content, considered the harm it can have on one's brain. And so I decided to try and quit. And I would go a few weeks or a few days and I'd be able to quit. And then I'd have what I would call a setback or a relapse. And this just went on and on and on. And, you know, the years went by and I'd be trying to quit. I'd have some success. There'd be some ups and then there'd be downs. And what ended up happening is I ended up developing quite a unhealthy relationship with myself, whereby I'd feel really confident, really happy. And then I'd have one of these setbacks and I'd feel totally drained and ashamed and wrapped up in self-hatred. And so it was really challenging for me. And that's kind of where those of my mental health problems kind of lay. I wouldn't say I ever was necessarily depressed or was clinically diagnosed with anything, but it was just this internal battle that was going on for quite a long time. And it was really frustrating and and yeah, it was just difficult to be honest with you. And then there's other things in my life and and some of those things like my mom maybe having cancer, for example, were the deeper rooter causes of this this symptom yeah, so- of like looking at porn. So I want to hear more about that, but I want to uh, bring out a point. So you met a girl you were very attracted to, and yet you couldn't perform with her. So what comments would you have for my female listeners who have a partner that they know struggles with porn? It's a really great question, that because I think a lot of women can think that it's something to do with them but it's like absolutely nothing to do with the woman and instead it's everything to do with the man and his brain and usually there's a lot of neuroscience here so it's essentially the reward circuitry and it's not only that it's what you associate orgasm with so if you have associated over time orgasm with masturbation and that masturbation is linked with a screen then eventually your brain's going to rewire to associate orgasm and sexual pleasure with a screen and so it's not really to do with the woman you could have the most beautiful amazing woman in the world literally the very most beautiful attractive woman in the world right there in front of you and if you're struggling with a porn addiction or a porn problem or your brain's being wired in a certain way you're still not going to be able to to perform it's really complicated essentially it's to do with the neuroscience but the thing i'd just take away if if there is any women listening to this is that it's nothing to do with you and instead it's usually going to be to do with just neuroscience and and the man's brain and and how this works and and it's frustrating because i don't think there should be so much porn and easy access and it to be free and for the harm of it to not really be talked about enough so you know it's more of a systemic issue than an individual one absolutely So when you think about addiction, if you think about someone who spent a lot of years drinking and they go everywhere under the influence of alcohol and they learn to cope using alcohol, then what happens is when they quit drinking, they don't know how to enjoy some kind of like a party or um, a, a wedding reception. They don't know what to do when they don't have their substance. And so 
Um, I'm not an expert on the neuroscience, but I know dopamine figures into a lot of our motivations and behavior. And so if you've been wired for years before you even had a partner of this is how I deal with frustration, this is how I deal with sexual urges, to be thrown in a new environment with a real person, the wires get crossed, don't they? Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't really say it any better than that. So early on in your life, are there things that you're comfortable sharing about you think contributed to maybe why you got caught up in porn to begin with, besides the fact that it's everywhere? Yeah, sure. I think I did have some issues when I was younger. So the main one was probably at the age of 12, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. And so that was quite a big change in my life. And then there were other things as well, like when I was really, really young, I was circumcised and where I grew up, there weren't any other Jewish people in my area. And so I'd had quite a weird upbringing because it was quite hard to feel like I fully belonged to one group. My mum was actually Christian and so I'd go to church now and then and then my dad was Jewish and so I'd go to synagogue and sometimes feeling like an outsider would be really challenging for me. And then feelings of failure as well, feelings like I weren't good enough. I think that probably related to my mom having cancer on some deeper level, which I perhaps can't really intellectually explain. Um, and then it's almost like people yeah. feel abandoned sometimes when a parent mm. is sick or dies, even. And it's like it's not deliberate, but there's there's still that sense of loss, even though they're there. Yeah, absolutely. And a lot of it's going on in the subconscious, you know, and it's yeah. that's why it can be hard to kind of explain it. So there were definitely a few problems that probably led to me struggling with porn. And then alongside all of that, I guess I just didn't really have any self-awareness of my emotions. And so let's say I did feel stressed, overwhelmed, anxious, lonely. I wouldn't even be aware I was feeling any of those emotions because that just hadn't been taught to me. And so instead, the natural reaction would be, well, I can't feel this. It's not possible for me to feel some kind of negative sensation. You know, the world's going to end. And so I just go and escape and use pornography. And then there were other triggers like maybe family going out of the house, being alone in bed on my phone. And then just just not having any knowledge of how to deal with this problem, no awareness really of how I felt. And so over time, certain feelings would be associated with porn that would become a trigger. And because of the whole neuroscience, again, it would almost become an automatic action, which I wouldn't even be conscious I was doing until it was too late. And the post-nut clarity sort of kicks in and I'm like, oh, God, what have I done again? And it'd be totally frustrating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we get back to the that idea that there are unpleasant feelings. If, and if we don't have a system to deal with it, we are likely to drift into whatever our addictive tendencies are. Because I think most of us have something, food, shopping, alcohol, gambling. I mean, there's plenty of them in this day and age, and they're all pretty easy to access. Yeah, I think, too, for for guys, Tom, it does seem like girls are encouraged to express their feelings. Uh, we're talking, talking, talking to each other all the time about everything. I would say as a norm, men aren't really socialized to identify or talk about feelings in my experience. Yeah, definitely. And 
I was having this conversation with my mum once. Fortunately, my mum's still around, which is really, good. really lucky. And, uh, yeah. and, you know, me and her have a really good relationship, which is great. And we were talking about this one day and she brought up a really interesting point because she was saying that when you're really young, women might, you know, sit around and chat on the playground or just talk, essentially. Yeah, they're talking. Whereas when I was younger, the only thing I would do on any breaks at lunchtime is go and play football. That's always what I did. And so even from like the age of probably like three or four throughout my whole childhood, I would always be more attracted towards playing games and playing yeah. sports. And that's just the way I was brought up. That's how I was socialized. Whereas women would talk a lot more. And so, yeah, just quite naturally, that's, that's how we're, how we're socialized. And, as I've gotten older, it's actually become even more difficult to find male friends in a way, like, and actually have real conversations with some depth. You know, I play, I play football now still, and we'll go in the car to play, to play football. And like, we won't really ever have a real conversation. It'll usually just be about football. It'll be about maybe relationships and something kind of funny in that sort of realm. And it's mostly going to be banter. Whereas, I don't know. I think with some other friends that I have who who are women, um, I'll have conversations that do have a little bit more depth at times. I'm also lucky because I do have some friends that are guys who I do have deeper conversations with. But I know that's that's like the outlier. You know that that's not the average thing, and it is. It's really difficult, I think, to have conversations with men because there's there's more fear of being vulnerable, and and we've got a society which is set up so that guys kind of have to protect themselves it is difficult it's hard for all of us but the women are we can complain to each other and cry whereas you guys don't really have that permission so you used a really key word vulnerability and for any of us male or female there needs to be people that we can be vulnerable with because to hold everything in and struggle on your own we're not designed for that and it becomes it, everything even gets worse when we're holding it in, when we have secrets, when we can't get some encouragement, like you're doing a good job, keep keep on it, you're, you're getting there, you know, somebody to cheer for us. It makes a huge difference. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what? I actually think the change over the last 10 years or so is less to do with men and women and more to do with technology. So I have friends who are women who will talk to me and share how they're feeling and often they're struggling and as I say with my volunteering work I hear women all the time calling up and they're totally lonely they've got no one to share their problems with and so I don't know actually how much this is a, a man problem and how much it's a woman problem come to think of it I think there probably is a bit of a difference there but the main thing for me is probably the way that technology has changed the world so that people are naturally a lot more alone and so that they have this idea that they're getting their needs met and are connected when in reality they're not because it's all through a screen so yeah when it comes to vulnerability i think it is more difficult now and people are rarely truly vulnerable online as well because they want to put on this facade that they've got everything together because often they're in a business setting or they're trying to sell something or they want to get likes and things like that and I know there is more vulnerability online nowadays, but even that sometimes feels a little bit staged to me. It almost seems like people are being vulnerable so they can amass even more likes or appear more genuine so they 
gain something from that. And I think there's something really valuable about having vulnerability without any actual intention behind it. And I think that's what we lack nowadays for our society. A lot of things have become superficial. Things online, it really, it's limited. It's, you don't get the deep eye contact. There's no touch. Even a friend's, you know, hitting somebody on the shoulder or, you know, just touching somebody's hand to make a point. All these subtle things that help you feel bonded and connected, at least for a few minutes with another person. We're moving farther and farther away from that. So the problem of loneliness is just monumental in this day and age. So uh, it's cultural and systemic as well as, you know, different genders are impacted different ways because we are different. I know that's not politically correct, but we're different. What else do you think the listener needs to know about if they have a son or partner, or if this is a female listening who is having issues with porn or with acting out sexually? Um, I find my female clients actually, they seem to have less trouble with porn and more trouble with just, it's pretty easy for a female to get a partner for a couple of hours, even if they didn't plan on doing that. I mean, it, it, it's a difference again in what's available and how easy it is. Uh, what other comments would you have for a person who's unhappy with the role that sex has in their life? It's a really difficult one because it's hard sometimes to know whether your desires are out of control or not. And one thing I've learned is to ask yourself, why do I want this? You know, if if you want a sexual partner or you want to look at sexual content because you don't feel good enough in some way, maybe you feel lonely, anxious, stressed out, overwhelmed, rejected, you're feeling failure. If that's the reason that you want to seek out a sexual partner because you think, oh, well, I'll be validated in some way by that sexual partner or I can escape these negative, not negative, but I can escape these unproductive unhelpful emotions well mm -hmm. it's probably not the most effective effective thing to do and that's there's different ways of dealing with those emotions because they are only emotions and i don't mean to like downplay them because i know they can be intense and they can feel really horrible but at the same time they are temporary which is a really great yeah. thing and i think you can learn a lot through processing those emotions in a healthy effective way and that can lead to a enormous growth it can help you understand what you really need and so if there is anybody listening who is maybe struggling with sexual urges or acting out in ways which they don't want to act, I suppose I would start to listen to how you feel a little bit more, maybe get a little bit curious, ask yourself some questions and try and understand what's really going on for you. And what's the real purpose behind acting out sexually? Is it escape? And then you've identified there's a problem and maybe we need to understand how you can get your needs met and use mindfulness and other techniques to solve that problem. So or let me phrase what you've said in a different way that I think everyone will agree with. And that is when you are not having an urge, what do is your standard for yourself? So if you behave one way when you're okay, and a different way when you're stressed, when you're lonely, and then afterwards you're unhappy with how you handled it, then I would define that as that's a problem 
whether we're talking about how much you're spending, how you feel about yourself, where you go. So these are different issues that you want to consider when we're looking at any kind of behavior. So how can my listeners find you if they or someone that they love is having some concerns about how they use porn? Yes, there's a few ways to find me. I am on YouTube as Thomas Molyneux. I am on uh, my podcast, so Apple, Spotify, and all the other podcast platforms as Finally Quit Porn. And then I do have a website as well called thomasmolyneux.com. I am really keen to help people overcome this problem. And I think for your listeners in particular, they may have like a partner who struggles with this. So again, I think helping them by maybe pointing them in the right direction, if they feel ready for that, then yeah, I'm here as well to help people. The main thing that I do is try and take a compassionate, curious approach to this problem and help people let go of the shame that they feel and just focus on what they actually want in life more than what they don't want, as that's the massive thing here. You know, a lot of people, they're, they're struggling and they're focusing on the problem and getting caught up in the problem, and over-identifying with the problem. And there's a whole world out there outside of sex. You know, sex is everywhere, but at the same time, there's so much beauty in the world and so many alternatives to embrace. So I would love to help people focus that's on what they actually s- want. That's a good suggestion. Focus on what you want, not what you don't want. That does help also. So um, so your course is basically anonymous if people don't want to talk to you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. At the moment, there's an online course as well. That's just at thomasmollingu.com. Thank you so much for talking with us, Tom. You've shared a lot of things from a male perspective that I think will help my listeners have more compassion for themselves and maybe understand the dynamics underneath these types of problems. So thank you so much for being available for us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Really enjoyed it.